Today, we're really excited on this episode of In Our Tracks from the National Reining Horse Association to be speaking with Dick Peeper. He's very well known across the entire horse industry, but as far as the reining goes, he's an NRHA Hall of Famer. He's an NRHA past president. He has won the prestigious NRHA fraternity, and he's been a world champion in reining at the AQHA World Show. Welcome to In Our Tracks, a project from the National Reining Horse Association. We're here to honor the history of reining, discuss current events and trends, and look ahead at the opportunities this sport has in its future. We'll honor the legacy makers, movers, and shakers from the reining industry, as well as grassroots competitors and weekend warriors to offer insights from the full spectrum of the reining community. So thank you for joining us today, Dick. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule of, of working those horses down there in Texas to, to talk to us a little bit about your past and what's going on in your life now. Well, uh, in my past, I was a reining horse trainer. And I, uh, as you kind of alluded to, I did pretty well. Um, I had uh, I had the good fortune to, to uh, back in the, early 70s and up through the 80s and up into the 90s i always had uh, had the good fortune to have a lot of good horses and uh, and devoted a lot of tra time to training them and, and really put in the time and uh, it, it really paid off so i'm i'm just uh, uh very happy with my past career uh, i in 1996 uh, I quit training reining horses and started training cutting horses. And that was the year that I had play gun and he was a, uh, a definite boon to my career. He was a really great horse that I, uh, kind of just stumbled onto. But anyway, he was, uh, he was a good horse. So I did the cutting, uh, from then on till my recent few years and and uh since then i've done a few rangers done a few cutters just kind of bought and sold a lot of horses and came along as best i could but um, at 81 i'm still hanging in there so i guess there's something to be said for that <laughs> well i was lucky enough to meet you when you were here in colorado for the rocky mountain horse expo and you were inducted into their hall of fame and um you're in quite a few halls of fame as as we noted at the beginning but um what what does that kind of distinction mean to you and and what what kind of legacy do you hope that that impression leaves upon people in the horse community well that's a really good question uh first of all uh, anything like that means a lot to me because it was uh it was very very nice of the uh, rocky mountain expo to uh include me in their hall of fame and i was uh, on the stage with uh Bart Brandman and richard shrake and i can't remember the lady's name now but she was uh from william woods college in missouri and i understand that that's the oldest equestrian science program uh in the united states and uh, so anyway uh, i was inducted with some really good people and uh it was it was fun we, we all got up there on the stage and 
they ask us a few questions and kind of open for anybody to answer and so it was it was uh it was an enjoyable time and it was really uh anytime i get any kind of honor like that uh, it I, I very deeply appreciate it right of course so the, let's let's look back a little bit more at your um at your time with that you did spend with rainers and um what what did you really like about the reigning horses that you showed and um what what traits did you like and maybe even compare it to how the rainers look today and the things that you like in the rainers today well a lot of the things that that rainers do today i really like right i really i really liked uh i think that there was a big improvement in the circles mm-hmm. you know people run really fast they go really slow uh, their their size changes and everything. It's, it's much more precise than it was 20 years ago. Right. Uh, lead changes are right on the money. Horses' approach to the stops, I think, is better. You never see horses that are like really scotchy and really, you know, trying to quit or anything like that. The the, the way people train them today uh, is much better, and. <clears throat> And I didn't go this past year, but almost every year they have something to honor the past presidents and the uh, uh, past fraternity champions and and uh, that sort of thing. And and uh, unfortunately, Bob Loomis and I are about the only ones that are left that have done all of those things. So I always go every year, and we always get a table, and I always sit with Bob, and we have a big time, and. And uh, but I didn't get to go this past year. But uh, anyway, my observation is that the extreme dragging your nose in the dirt when you stop is pretty much gone. I think that on the average, most of those horses, uh, their necks a little more level, their front ends a little looser, they're uh, in the ground more securely. And uh, uh, rollbacks have improved. Uh, that was one thing that I always kind of <clears throat> was a star in doing was getting that horse to run down there, stop, and roll back right across his tracks and leave. So I've noticed, you know, just by watching social media recently and that kind of thing, that that you're really active in in doing clinics and educating people. I think you just did a clinic with um, Craig Johnson not too long ago, who's also, you know, a noted rainer and very successful. What kinds of things are you seeing when you have your clinics and um, what kind of advice do you find yourself giving most often that maybe our listeners could learn from? Well, the thing that that I do uh, in, in most of the clinics that I have done and put on is I teach people to do the absolute very basics. And the three basics that I use and have always used is when I first start riding a two-year-old and he quits trying to buck you off, I'm immediately getting this horse soft from side to side. Uh, and that softness from side to side always has to be connected with motion. So that horse has to be moving forward, stepping forward, uh, walking, trotting. The softness from side to side has to be connected with motion or you create what I would call 
a limber necked horse that wants to, you know, he might bend his head around to the toe of your boot. His feet don't tell him to go anywhere. Right. Okay. And I think, I think that 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 softness from side to side absolutely has to be connected with motion, or you're doing more damage than you are doing good. So softness from side to side connected with motion. And I want that softness trained into those horses so well that it becomes like a, uh, I'm searching for the word, but it becomes a, uh, a place where when that horse gets a little panic, they depend on you. you know, uh, uh, oh, I'm a little bit scared. Uh, there's a freight train coming through the end of the arena. But if you pick up on that rain, it directs their attention to something they're very familiar with. And so they get soft and they come to your hand. And that is very, very important, I think, in training a reining horse. The second thing that I do and the second thing that I teach is absolute collection. And most people don't even understand what collection means. The average person thinks that if you pull on the reins, and your horse's head goes down, that's collection. But true collection always comes from behind. And so what you have to do to teach a horse collection is you have to set a barrier with your hands and use your legs and your feet to drive that horse forward up into that bridle and you might have to hold on to him and you might have to struggle with him for a little bit but the first second that he drops his head you have to give him a big slack and let him walk around and let him kind of get the kinks out of his neck because they do get kinks in their neck when they're pushing on your hand that hard so that's something that has to be done gradually and it has to come from behind and when it comes from behind when you use your feet to drive that horse up into the bridle, that horse, he takes a longer stride with his hind feet than he normally would. His withers come up and he drops his head. And, and collection just means that he's in a more compact form and he's able to do a lot of difficult maneuvers more successfully from that collected position. Right, right. And the way I the way I do it, I set my hands, drive the horse up into the bridle, the minute he gets soft, I turn him loose. Well when he gets to what the point where every single time I set my hands and use my legs to drive him forward and he gets soft, then I hold him for three or four strides and then release him. And then I hold hold him for a half circle and then releasing. And then later on, I hold him for a whole circle. And <clears throat> to me, it takes a full year to change that horse's muscle structure. And really, when you put a horse in that collected position, you're stretching the muscles from his hocks clear up across his hip, all the way down his back up to his withers, and clear up his neck to his pole. Mm -hmm. You're changing and strengthening that top line, and you're making it easier for him 
to hold that collected position. And you can't just say, okay, I'm going to make you collected, so I'm going to put you uh, in a bidding rig and chase you around the round pen so your neck gets so sore and hurts the bed that they don't even want you to brush it. Um, you can't you can't put a horse in that true collected position by doing that. Mm-hmm. And if you try to do that, all you're going to do is make them sore and make them mad. And in the in the ultimate finished product, they're going to pin their ears and flag their tail every time you set a barrier with your hands and you use your legs on them. So it's very important to do it the correct way and the right way. And that's what I teach. Anything else that's standing out at your clinics right now that you're working on? Well, I work I, I work on those three basics. The third basic being uh, what the dressage people would call a half pass. And that is you're riding the horse forward in a straight line in that collected position. You take one leg off, press a little harder with the outside leg, and move their hip to the inside to where that horse uh, actually is. If you look at his tracks, his hind feet are on a little different line than his front feet. And you push that rear end over and keep the horse's head and neck going straight and you have to have a pretty, you know, pretty collected position in order to be able to do that. So you don't want to do it like right off the bat. You want to, you want to get the collection pretty far along before you attempt to do that. But that is so essential when you're changing leads, or when you just, you know, when when you go to show a horse and you drape the slack to his knees and send him around that circle as fast as he can go, it's pretty important to be able to have that outside leg there kind of holding his hip so that there's no danger of him falling off a hind lead when he's going that fast. Right, right. Yeah, those are three very essential basics. But unfortunately, a lot of people will tell you Oh yeah, well I I do the basics. I I get my horses just like you do, but I do it during the training process, and I think that's the wrong way to do it because I want to have my horse focused on those basics, and I want to do it really well. Mm-hmm. Most people do it as a correction, and I do it almost as a maneuver, but then I don't mess with trying to get them to turn around or or uh, certainly I loop circles on them and certainly I ride them in straight lines and all that but the first three months or so that I spend on a two-year-old I am totally focused on teaching that horse those absolutely basic things that are going to get him through the training process whether he's a three-year-old or a 12-year-old And uh, so I, I have, uh, that's my focus. I teach that a lot in my clinics. And then if it's a reigning clinic, I go on and I, I uh, teach people how to use those three basic things to get a horse to do every single maneuver and to do it really well. That's great. Now you kind of alluded to that the the transition from your focus in your training from reining to cutting 
And um, I'm wondering, first of all, what what have you seen in, in reining horses and how that sport has evolved? What of your reining experience then helped you maybe as you um, transitioned into the cutting industry? Uh, my reining training had affected uh, the way I trained cutting horses. Yeah. And I do that. I, I don't treat a cutting prospect any different than I would a reining prospect. Most people don't do that. Most people, when that colt quits trying to buck them off and they can ride him off across the pasture in a straight line, which takes a couple of weeks, and then they put him on a cow. Okay. He doesn't know anything about being soft in the bridle. He doesn't know anything about responding to leg pressure in any way. So you trot him around the pen with a cow, and that cow stops, and you have to pull and saw on their face to get them to stop with the cow. And in the process of pulling and pulling on their face to get them to, to stop with the cow, you distract them a whole lot from a cow. Okay. Mine all know how to stop. They know how to roll back. They know a little bit about turning around before I put them on a cow. And then it's so much easier. And when you're trotting around there with that cow and that cow stops, you can just barely use your pinky finger and lift those bridle reins and that colt hits the ground and he stops with the cow without being distracted in any way, having his attention be distracted from the cow. And uh, I think that, I just think that's very important. Yeah. I think it, it doesn't matter whether it's going to be a dressage horse, cutting horse, a polo horse, a reining horse, uh, a, a cow horse, uh, or if it's going to be a horse that you're going to use on the ranch, I think they all need to learn those basics. I totally agree, and I'm sure there are many, many people who have learned it from you and um, also agree with that. Um, very, very important to the foundation of all training for sure. So um, a little bit ago, you had mentioned that rollbacks were kind of your thing that you were known for. So I kind of, I want to know what, uh -huh. what you think, like um, what, what is a great rollback and how do you achieve that? How, what were, what techniques were you using when you were trained in your rainers to roll back? Okay. You have a horse and you have put my three basics on that horse. Right. So you lope that horse down there and you say, whoa, and lift the slack and he hits the ground and he stops and he stays straight and he just stands there. And that's the first thing that I do. I want that horse to stop and stand there. I don't, I don't want him to stop, wiggle his hip one way, wiggle his hip the other way, lean one direction, lean the other direction. I want him to just stop straight and stand there. Once I achieve that and I stop that horse, and the first thing I employ is my first basic, basic number one, where I just lift the slack of that outside bridle rein. His neck comes. He knows he's got to keep moving forward. When he's halfway through the rollback, I use my outside leg in the same position I would use it if I was trying to move his hip or stabilize his hip. and I lead that horse 
through the rollback with my outside rain, which is starting to become the inside rain at that point. Mm-hmm. And then when he's halfway through the rollback, I finish that rollback by using my outside leg to give him some impulsion to turn and leave, turn and leave. And I don't want him to pick his head up. I don't want him to be stiff. I want it to be a soft, fluid, kind of a snaky movement where he just rolls around that hawk and lopes off the other way. What are uh, some common problems that you that you see in rollbacks, or maybe that you even experienced when when you're training your horses? Well, I, the problems that I see are when people try to use that outside rein too early. People try to teach a horse to roll back by using the outside rein, and when they do that, you get a lot of resistance because he doesn't know what you're trying to get him to do. So his head comes up. He gets a little stiff, he makes a a half a rollback, and then takes another big step to finish the rollback, and then goes off the other way. And I think that that shows stiffness, and it shows a lack of training. Uh, basically, I want a horse to roll back, turn and leave in one motion. I want his head low. I want it to be fluid, and I don't want to give the appearance in any way that there was any resistance on that horse's part. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's just a matter of when when you have the basics on the horse, then you run down there and stop them. At the end of that stop, if you're going to roll back to the left, you use that left rein, you use that right leg, you push him through, and he rolls back and goes the other way. and the minute you lift the slack of that outside rein, he says, oh, I know what you're talking about now. Mm-hmm. And he just bends his neck, and it's very soft, very light, and you use your legs to just ride him up out of there. Right. And you can get a, get a horse to stop, roll back and leave right over the same cracks that he came in there on. And that's pretty. It's smooth. And I think it's impressive when you see a lot of horses out there that can't make a pretty rollback. Yeah. They are a fun maneuver to watch when they're when they're done really well for sure. Yep. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this um initiative that NRHA is is putting together um called Respect the Horse, Respect the Sport. And um it's a lot about putting our horses first and their needs above our desire to win, but also respecting the sport in you know sportsmanship and how we represent you know, reigning on the international scale. What do you th- think can be done to promote that messaging? Well, I think that, first of all, I think NRHA's their initiative in, in doing this, uh, that movement is extremely commendable. And I think the more people that recognize the true principle of, of, of that, uh, I think horse training will get better. Uh, I think horse training, as far as rainers are concerned, has come a tremendous distance, come a long way, and it's it's doing really well right at the present time. And I think that that initiative on initiative on NRHA's part is 
very commendable. Uh, and, and I think it's only going to just, I think it will take things to a whole new level. Right. And it seems like to me, um, also, we all can agree that when you put your horse first, you, you get the, the best out of him. Um, and then that maybe sets you up for even greater success than if things were Absolutely. Really or done in a different way. I could not agree more. I think that that is the absolute truth. You know, you have to, here's what you have to do. Instead of saying, I'm going to train this horse and I'm going to make him a fraternity champion, or I'm going to make him a great horse. I'm going to make him a big time winner. And I'm going to do this to him. I'm going to do that to him. It's like, it's like you're taking a piece of clay and trying to mold it into something. But that's not the way we do it. The way you train a horse to be most successful is you form a partnership with him in the very beginning. And I try to form that partnership at the time I'm putting the basic things on. Mm -hmm. I, 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 when I'm putting those basics on a horse, I get that horse to where he is completely cooperative to my needs. He understands what he's supposed to do, even though the things that I'm teaching him are very simple. He clearly understands what it is that I want him to do. And he also has to understand that I'm going to uh, reward him. I'm going to I'm going to do everything to make it clear that if he does what I want him to do, I will absolutely have his best interests at heart. I'm not going to ride him till he's out of air. I'm not going to uh, whip on him or chase him. I'm not going to have big fights with him. Every ride is going to be a pleasant experience. And that's my goal when I train any horse, because that's a way that you form that partnership with that horse that will, when the fraternity finals is over with, you can know that he has given you, it, whether he won it or whether he just missed going to the finals, he gave you everything he had. Yeah. And the only way you can achieve that is with that where he's more of a partner than he is a, uh, a, a he, he's so disciplined that uh, he doesn't know any other way to do it. The winner is always that horse that comes in there with a pleasant expression, steps up there, doesn't move his tail, doesn't thin his ears, doesn't try to, you know, act like he'd like to bite at your foot when you're rolling him back or anything like that, or when you're turning him around. He just has to go in there and do his job with a quiet tail and and with a pleasant expression on his face. And he still has to outdo everybody else. Mm -hmm. But to me, that's easier to achieve. I decided a long time ago, many years ago, that if it wasn't fun, I just wasn't going to do it. Life's too short. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. You gotta, you gotta enjoy what you do every day, and and uh, uh, if it's not a pleasant experience, make it a pleasant experience. You know, you can you can take some old sourpuss person that can't even get to crack a smile. And uh, if you work hard enough at it, you'll have them laughing the time the day's over with. So it's, it's, uh, 
I think it's just up to you. Yeah, you are right. Well, um, we really appreciate you being on the podcast today and um, we're excited to have everybody, you know, learn some lessons and learn a little bit more about your history and, and where you came from with the horses and, and where you're going and, and that you're still out there uh, enjoying every minute of it in the arena and at home. And, and we just really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to In Our Tracks, a project from the National Reining Horse Association. For more about reining and NRHA, visit nrha.com. And be sure to follow us on Facebook at NRHA National Reining Horse Association and on Instagram at NRHA Reining.